All right. We are in a series, and we're actually finishing a series called The Little Things. The Little Things. Um, and we have done this series. We've talked about hospitality, this, this small step of opening maybe your home, maybe sharing a table, maybe even sharing a conversation. I've been hearing testimonies all over this congregation of many of you who have said, you know, we're stepping into hospitality. That was maybe even helping a neighbor in a garden get that ready. I've heard testimonies about that. Maybe starting new relationships by, you know, helping someone plant a garden, an elderly couple that, that maybe needed some help. I've heard of testimonies of God uh, opening conversations at um, Tractor Supply. You know, God goes everywhere, doesn't he? God goes everywhere, doesn't he? Just a, a shared testimony, a shared conversation. Uh, and we've seen God move. It doesn't take these huge, ginormous, big things for us to enter into what God is doing and create big impact. So hospitality is, is a way. All of us, every day, can step into what God's doing in our city and in our lives. And then we talked about not just hospitality, we talked about fasting. How many of y'all love fasting? <laughs> Not me. Uh, it's hard, but I've heard some of you said, you know, I fasted for the first time and seen God do something in my life. How many of y'all fasted in the last couple weeks, last two or three weeks? Awesome. Thank you for joining us in that. And then last week, we talked about the confession of faith that Jesus rose from the dead. That's big. That's not little, but it takes a little movement from us to align our hearts into that power through our faith confession. Now, I want to be counted with Jesus. And that enters into that power. And so this morning, the little thing we're going to talk about and kind of conclude our series is encouragement. Encouragement. I was actually at a poetry recital this past month or so, and I heard this poem. I want to share it with you. <clears throat> One of my kids' um, classmates Drop a Pebble in the Water by James W. Foley. Drop a pebble in the water, just a splash and it is gone. And there's half a hundred ripples circling on and on and on. Spreading, spreading from the center, flowing on out to the sea. And there's no way of telling where the end is going to be. Drop a pebble in the water, in a minute you forget. And there's little waves of flowing and there's ripples circling yet. And those little waves of flowing to a great big wave have grown. You've disturbed a mighty river just by dropping in a stone. Drop an unkind word or careless. In a minute it is gone. And there's half a hundred ripples circling on and on and on. They keep spreading, spreading, spreading from the center as they go. And there's no way to stop them once they've started them to flow. Once you've started them to flow. Drop an unkind word or careless. In a minute, you forget. There's little waves of flowing. There are ripples circling yet. And perhaps in some sad heart, a mighty wave of tears you've stirred and disturbed a life was happy ere you dropped that unkind word. Drop a, a word of cheer and kindness, just a flash and it is gone. And there's half a hundred ripples circling on and on and on. Bearing hope and joy and comfort on each splashing, dashing wave till you wouldn't believe the volume of the one kind word you gave. Drop a word of cheer and kindness. In a minute you forget and there's gladness still a swelling and there's joy a circling yet. 
and you've rolled a wave of comfort whose sweet music can be heard over miles and miles of water just by dropping one kind word. The power of the spoken word. That's what we're talking about this morning. A word of encouragement can lift a soul. In fact, the author of, of Proverbs, Solomon, one of the most richest and, and, and powerfulest kings of, of Israel, said this, that a word, a whisper can break a bone. He also said that the power of life and death is in the tongue. There's power in what we say. There's power in what we say. So this morning we're looking at encouragement and I want us to, to turn to or look up at the screen to Hebrews chapter 3. I was talking about the power of encouragement to, to uh, Allison, one of my, our staff this week, and she was saying it was a word by spo spoken by one of her friends in a conversation that launched her back into full-time ministry. Uh, an encouraging word. I see ministry on you. And she said, that moment and that word lifted me from a place of unbelief, a place from maybe discouragement to a place of belief, what I needed to move forward. A word can move us that way. A word of encouragement. How many of you have received an encouraging word that lifted your spirit in your heart? How many? Okay, some of us. Good. The power of encouragement. Now let's look at Hebrews chapter uh, 3 this morning. The author of Hebrews is comparing Moses to Jesus. <clears throat> and he's saying there that Jesus is better. Let's jump in and see what he has to say about encouragement. Hebrews chapter 3. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Therefore, as the scripture says, and this is, in, I'm sorry, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, and this is important because the author of Hebrews then is looking back at this Psalm 95 and he's saying the Holy Spirit is speaking through the Old Testament scripture. How many of you are saying, man, I want to hear God's voice. What's God saying to me? The word speaks. He doesn't say the Holy Spirit spoke. He said the Holy Spirit speaks. The Word has the power to speak, and the, the Spirit speaks by the Word. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I spoke, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways, and as I swore in my wrath, they, are not in, they shall not enter my rest. The writer of Hebrews turns back to his audience and says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort, or the NASB says, or encourage one another every day, as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold 
our original confidence firm to the end. As it is written, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Today. Today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? Who, who was it who hardened their hearts? He's asking rhetorical questions. Was it those who Moses led out of Egypt? What, what happened? Tw uh, ten plagues, signs and wonders, the greatest empire at the time bowed its knee. You took all their gold, walked out into the wilderness. God parted the Red Sea. You walked towards the promised land and you still turned away. And with whom was provoked for 40 years, was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of their unbelief. And, and the author here connects two things, disobedience and unbelief, uses them interchangeably. Chapter four, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have fallen short of it or failed to reach it. For good news or the gospel came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened or, another translation says, did not combine what they heard with faith. For we who have believed enter that rest. Let's pray. Father, help us this morning. Be encouraged. Be better encouragers and cultivate a culture of encouragement. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. What is encouragement? I'm going to just ask some questions this morning for us. What is it? What is it to be encouraged? The word here in the Greek is parokaleo, which means to call and then alongside. It's where we get the word for the Holy Spirit, the helper, parokletos, the one called along to help us. Same word. It means this, to appeal, to exhort to encourage, to plead, to urge, to invite, to preach, or to entreat. Now, what it is, if you'll, if you'll notice in here, it's, it's words out of our mouth that have some thrust to them. It's encouragement is words that propel us to maybe push us. My wife and I have an argument sometimes. She says, I want you to encourage me, don't push me. Uh, they're the same, right? Here's in the Bible, right? There's, there's a thrust to it. If you've ever been invited to anything by John Bell, right? This not an invitation. It's forceful, right? To say no is to beat him back with a stick. He's just practicing the Bible. He's exhorting you. He's, I'm not, I hope I'm not encouraging him. What am I doing? What am I doing, Rich? But it's, it's, it has this push to it. 
this encouragement. It could be said this way, encouragement or exhortation pushes or puts pressure on you to trust Jesus or exercise your belief in our living and good God or moves you to more and more resilient faith. To push you along. Encouragement has to do with your faith. I've never met anyone in faith who's discouraged. Nor have I met anyone discouraged who's full of faith. They're together. They're, they hinge on each other. Okay? Encouragement and faith are together. Or the lack of encouragement can be said this way, is unbelief. If you're discouraged, it means you're in a state of unbelief. I'm guessing that's quiet in here because we're being touched by the Spirit. Is that, what, is that accurate? Okay, I'm just assuming that. All right? Maybe said a different way. To exhort or encourage is to move someone along the faith meter. If, if you're, man, I got enough faith to walk on water as a 10, and, and you're at a 1, and someone encourages you, they're pushing you from a 1 to a 1 and a half, a 2, a 3. They're putting their faith into you. They're imparting to you faith, energy, encouragement to move you to a place to trust or believe God. They're pushing you, encouraging you, appealing to you, pleading with you, urgently calling you to believe. This is not a passive faith. In fact, the ESV says your evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from God. When you're being led by your evil, unbelieving heart, you are not uh, active, you're passive. You're being drifted by your heart. Now, this type of encouragement is connected to hearing God's voice. Today, if you hear his voice, information along with persuasion. In fact, every time you see the word encouragement, it's typically connected to God's word. Romans says that through uh, the endurance and the encouragements of the scriptures, you might find hope. That scripture encourages us. So here's an example of what encouragement is like. So how many of y'all have ever been to Kill Devil Hills area? A few of us near the Outer Banks. Just, you can Google Earth it. It's kind of this weird spot of like acres of sand. I don't know why it's there. I don't know. Is it man-made? I don't know. It's just there. And so you're driving down, you see normal beach sand, and then it's just like eight acres of desert. There's no real reason, I guess, that it should be there. There's lots of wind blows. I don't know. But people go there to learn to hang glide, um, to parasail. They fly kites. But there's this thing that you can do when you go that you can rent this, like, skateboard without the trucks on it, without wheels. You can, you can rent it. I can't remember. It was like $25, $40, something. Ridiculous. But we did it because, you know, the kids are there. We're there. We're going to make an afternoon of this. We're going to rent this board. 
And you, it's, you treat it like um, snow sledding. You know, you find a hill, you get on your sled, your skateboard without wheels, and then you slide down the sand. That's the, the concept. Has anybody ever done that in there? A few of us? Okay. Well, they give you this little, I don't know, piece of wax. And they tell you to kind of put it on the bottom Rub it in. You don't have to do it much. Don't overdo it, but a little bit helps, blah, blah, blah. So the cousins, you know, my kids, my, son, my, my brother's kids, we're all out there wandering around trying to find the perfect hill. And after a first while, you know, maybe this hill will work. You get on it, you don't move. Then you get on another one, you're like, this, surely this is the right angle. You know, you're not moving. You get, I sat on that thing and literally tumbled down the hill and the skateboard, the, the skateboard's sitting at the top of the hill. And I started getting discouraged. I went over to this place where it looked like Narnia. It was like the desert, and then there was a tree line in woods. I mean, it was like, why is this demarcation here? But to get, it was literally like almost 90 degrees. I'm like, by God, I'm going down a hill. I paid $25. We're going down this hill. And I could see my sister-in-law was like, looking at her kid, like, you're not getting on that skateboard. But I'm like, I don't care, it's worth it. I might hit a tree, but I'm going to get a slide. So I get on the edge of this thing. I'm falling down the hill. There's the skateboard. I'm, like, I'm just so mad. I'm like kicking dirt. My, my daughter, who's passionate, she's kicking dirt. She's, this is so dumb. I'm like, and I just feel like the children of Israel. I'm walking around this desert. I've bought the lie that the skateboard is going to go give me good times and memories. And it's not doing it, y'all. And we get to this one hill, and some of the cousins have found like the perfect environment for this thing to go like 10 feet. And then I remember we had this piece of wax. I'm like, well, maybe this is like, this is the, this is the secret. This is the secret. So I'm like rubbing on this thing, you know, rubbing it. And we get, and we start flying down these hills. I mean, I'm not just talking a little bit, like, people got injured, tears. <laughs> I mean, it was like there was packs made that no, we cannot talk about anything that happened here ever again. All the, all the nieces and nephews are really nervous right now. So we're going, I mean, we're having a blast. And every time you go down, you, you trek back up this hill and you rewax this thing and you fly down again. I almost broke my son's shoulder. I mean, we were flying. He's like, Dad, can I do it on my feet? I'm like, do it! You know, he's like, crack, you know. And we were flying. You know that nothing changed about that situation. Nothing. Same heat, same hill slope, same board, same people. But that wax, man, made the difference. We just, shoo. that's what encouragement is. All the, the circumstances are the same. But if you're in faith, if you believe, Man, that heel, you just slide down. Enjoy the ride. You enjoy yourself. You make mistakes. We made lots of mistakes. We made memories. But there was an encouragement to fly. That's what encouragement is. It's the wax that makes you slide. It's the wax that makes you slide. Now, without encouragement, you tumble down the hill you shake your fist at God, right? Why is it was wrong with this thing? I blamed Kitty Hawk. I blamed every business within us. They're just, they're just cheating us, you know? 
Father, it was me. I didn't have the wax on the board. We have a tendency when we're not encouraged to blame everyone else but us. We're critical. Here it is. That's what encouragement is. It is the faith. It's, it's, it's pushing someone along this continuum of faith to trust our living God that he's good and he's going to get us there. Now, why? Why encouragement? Why is this so important? The author of Hebrews is saying, look, guys, the people of Israel saw signs and wonders. I mean, you would have, if you saw hail falling from the sky, if you saw cattle just dying, if you saw gnats and fleas and frogs and locusts, you saw waters open up, surely you would believe that God would take you what he started to do to the end, right? But they didn't do it. They didn't believe. And so he's saying, the author's saying, guys, if Israel can miss it, so can you. Be careful. Take heart. Make sure there's not in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that causes you to turn away from the living God. So why encouragement is so important? Because we need faith, courage. I'll say encouragement this way. Encouragement is putting courage in. Putting courage in. That's encouragement. Okay, you're going to need courage and faith to enter into the promised land God is calling you into. You're going to need it, a heart that believes. You're going to need encouragement, faith, to enter into the promised land God is calling you into. Now, what is this promised land? Three, three kind of angles of this promised land. There is a promised land of an eternal rest. This life is not the end. There is a place where death has no sting, where there is justice, where there is no sickness and disease. There is an eternal rest. That's what the author of Hebrews is alluding to. There is a rest for those who believe. If you put your faith in Christ, this life will come to an end and you will enter into eternity with God forever. You're going to need faith for that. You're going to need trust in what Christ did for you to get you there. But that's not all. The second aspect of this eternal life, this promised land, is that there is a promised land of rest now. That in Christ, you get to taste eternity before you enter eternity. I'm going to say that again. In this life, if you're encouraged, if you're in faith, you enter into a place in Christ where you taste eternity before you enter eternity. A down payment, Ephesians 1 says. You get to experience the life of God, the peace of God, the joy of God, the love of God, this side of eternity, now. But you know what? Some of you won't taste that all of us won't taste that without faith, without trust, without courage, without encouragement. That we can come out of our bondage and slavery like we all did if you're in Christ. 
and not enter into the fullness God has for you in this life if you don't believe. If you don't have courage or encouragement. Now, last aspect of this. Why do we need encouragement? Because there is a life for you. There is a place in God, in Christ, that you could be in the desert. You could be in some really hard circumstances and be at rest in Christ. And lastly, there is a promised land of purpose and destiny this side of heaven. You're here. You're here. You have a pulse, I hope. You're alive. If you put faith in Christ, he saved you. You're a new creature in Christ to do something with your life this side of heaven. And that's going to take encouragement and faith to walk in that. We have, a, we have a dream. We have a vision in this house that God has called us to reach a city for the glory of God. That includes, very specifically, that university campus that young people would have encounters with Jesus that change their life forever, and they'll be trained to live out their faith for the rest of their life to make a ripple for all of eternity. That's a call. It's going to take faith. Have y'all walked on campus? If you're a student, you know only God can change what I see with my eyes. We have a call to reach the least of these, those who maybe don't have the privileges that we have to step into their world, to preach life and faith, to provide for their needs, to help them lift up their eyes and believe that God wants to use them. It's called them to do something. That God's calling them to a promised land. It's going to take faith. And we need encouragement. Now, why encouragement? Because we're discouraged. I mean, I'm just taking your silence as you're not in faith this morning. Look at this um, article by The Atlantic. Percentage of high school students feeling persistently sad or hopeless. So it looks like wherever you started, about 2013, shot up. And as of 2021, most people are feeling more discouraged and sad and hopeless than they were eight years ago. The average high school student. What does that mean? Well, there's lots of, you know, they're, they're saying their, their analysis, well, social media has something to do with that. Our parenting styles, we're letting children determine what's best for them instead of parents to call life into them, to believe this is who you are. This is what you're called to do. That's a part of it. Parenting, social media, there's a couple others. But what's the point? We're not getting persistently more hope-filled more encouraged, we're trending in the other direction, which means this, we're in a soup, a, a culture, a stew of discouragement that perpetuates discouragement. So somebody's going to stand up and say, we got to believe that Jesus wants to do something with your life, that Jesus can change these things, that he has hope for you. You have a purpose and a destiny and a calling, and I don't care what kind of hills and sand and heat are around you. You can slide because he is with you and he is on you. 
We need encouragement to enter into our calling, our promised rest, our promised land. Look, there's resistance we see in this passage. We sang this morning, come thy fount of every blessing. Prone to wonder, I feel it. There's a feeling, there is a something inside each one of our hearts, regenerated and not, to push you away from God. Nothing's wrong with you. I just, I'm I'm tempted. I'm discouraged. Welcome to everybody who is becoming perpetually more discouraged and hopeless. But you have hope in Christ. There is resistance internally to that. There is resistance externally. The deceitfulness of sin. We're not in a society that is becoming increasingly holy. So there's going to be this pull, this, these lies that pull you in and away from God. So we need to encourage each other. That's, that's the passage, right? Encourage each other because there's resistance to you believing. Y'all feel that? I mean, you can even feel this in the shows and the movies that are now kind of inculcating society. They're dark. I I can't even sometimes put my finger on it. I just walk out. I was entertained, and I'm sadder, right? There's a filter on the series. Everything's dark. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm the only one who watches TV? All right, it's cool. Pray, Pray for me. But you feel it. There's this, there's no end. There's no happy ending. There's no, this works out for good. It's even looked on in some circles, they'll call it American optimism, and that's a pessimistic thing. That's just American optimism. Because there's this belief that something should be getting better. What is that? That's a rooting in the kingdom that he is coming that in the end, there's a winner. And Christ produces that for us. It's in the culture. The mentalities are contagious. Now, if you're a high school student or a medical student, if you'll learn the power of your faith and encouragement from the scriptures and encouraging, you shine like stars. Everybody's depressed and sad. According to that, if you'll, just, if you'll just know who you are, be encouraged about God's destiny on your future, man, you'll shine like stars. How does Jesus make this better for us? How does Jesus make this better for us? Now, the author of Hebrews is comparing and contrasting Moses and Jesus here. Chapter 3, verse 6 says, But Christ is faithful over all of God's house as a son, and we are his house. In Christ, we are not just servants wandering through the desert. We are sons and daughters on our way to glory. Christ adopts us. In Christ, you're his son and his daughter. In Christ, you're his son. This is different because now we have a new identity. 
who am I, is already rooted in an eternal reality that I didn't have anything to do with. Christ is my brother, my co-heir. I have a heavenly father. I'm a son, or if you're a woman in here, I'm a daughter of the king. That's who I am. Jesus changes my identity. John 1, 12 through 14, 13 says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You are no accident in the kingdom of God. You were created with purpose and dignity and destiny, wired into you. Ephesians 1 says this, not only are we new, we have a new identity, we have something that is experiential. I referenced this earlier. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. There it is again. Belief in what you hear. We're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of, his inherit of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. We get God, his spirit, this side of glory to experience God, to walk with God, and to be with God. He lives inside of us. He affirms us. He is our encouragement. He literally is our encouragement. He is. And he's in us. And he walks with us. That's what's different about Jesus is that he puts a little bit of himself inside of us. We walk by the Spirit. We won't gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Why? Because we're encouraged. Because we're in the Spirit. Because we're in faith. Encouragement. Now, when do we need to encourage or receive encouragement? Any guessers? Today. Right. Today. Every day. We need to receive and give encouragement. Today. Blake, you don't understand what I've walked through. It's too late for me. Is, is it today? Is it today? There's hope for you. You are in Christ if you'll put faith in the good news of Jesus, he'll change who you are. And there's a future, there's a promised land for you. That doesn't mean that we won't walk out of this life with some questions or some persecutions or some struggles. Ho, ho, ho. But we win. We step in to glory with him. So I just know that, that once you start failing, there's this voice the deceitfulness of sin that says you failed too long. You failed too many times. You can't lift yourselves up anymore. You're done. Is it today? You're not done. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ is with you. Christ is for you. Christ is in you. Christ to your right. Christ to your left. Christ inside of you. Christ above you. Christ beneath you. Christ in you. This is what I love about Paul. Paul, this is what Paul, basically Paul is trying to get this across. He's like, guys, did any of you find Christians 
persecute them to the point of death, call their message heresy, and do everything in your power to destroy them. Has anybody in this room killed anybody because they're a Christian? They had faith in Jesus? Nobody. Okay, good, because Paul did that. And then God said, I'm calling you. Why? So that when you see Paul's life, you can't say, well, I'm worse than Paul. You can't say that. He chose Paul so that you can look by comparison and say, I'm not Paul. Surely Christ can save me and change me and walk with me. I mean, literally, Paul says that. God chose him because it's not too late for you. Right, wrapping this up, four warning signs that you are in danger of being led away from the living God. That's, that's why the writer of Hebrews wrote this. Take care, lest you don't get led, led astray by the evilness of your heart. There are signs, four signs that you're in danger of being led away from the living God. Number one, isolation. You can't be encouraged if no one's around you to encourage you. Encourage one another, one another. We are partakers with Christ, us. If you're in isolation, you're in danger of walking away from the living God. Now, think about this. Again, we know we shouldn't be these things, so our immediate answer is like, that ain't me. Look, I'm here. Let me ask it a different way. Who is exhorting you, putting pressure on you? It's funny that when we start to get, feel pressure put on us, we either run away or we run towards. And the scripture here is telling you, if you don't feel pressure, you're in danger. Who is exhorting you, appealing, entreating, pressuring, urging, or putting yourself in a situation that this can happen? You could be in isolation. Number two, unrepentant sin. You're hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. If we hide our sin and continue to walk in it, then our consciences, the Bible says, are seared like a hot iron. And we're in danger, not just of not feeling sin anymore, but feeling God anymore too. When you sear the hand, you don't just don't feel the heat. You don't feel the loving caress of a spouse. It doesn't feel anymore. And so if we have unrepentant sin, we're in the danger of it. That's why community is so important, that someone can look you in the eye and say, are you okay? But if you're not around that person long enough to know, then how do they know? Isolation, unrepentant sin. Number three, distance from the scriptures. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through the endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. That in the scriptures we are encouraged. The same passage, the same section in Hebrews is where it says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It's alive. It helps you. It builds you up. You have faith because you hear the scriptures. Faith comes from hearing the scriptures. Who's communicating the scriptures to you? Who's calling you out of your, your discouragement with the scriptures? Is there distance between the scriptures? Fourthly, a victim mentality. I think this is important because 
When you have a victim mentality and you have a discouraged mentality, it doesn't matter what kind of mess, encouragement, faith I throw on you, it just hits you and falls off. A victim mentality, which leading you away from the living God. You're being led away, which means you're not leading yourself. Your evil heart's leading you. You're a victim. And again, do, you have, do I have a victim mentality? No, that's not me. That's bad. I'm not bad. I can't have a victim mentality. Let's ask ourselves again. Eight characteristics of a victim mentality. Here they are. You blame others for the way your life is. The condition you're in, you're blaming someone else. You truly think life is against you. You have trouble coping with problems in your life and feel powerless against them. You feel stuck in life and approach things with a negative attitude. You feel attacked when someone tries to offer helpful feedback. Feeling bad for yourself gives you relief or pleasure. You attract people who blame others and complain about their life. It's difficult for you to examine yourself and make changes. This is a, a, a caricature of, an, of discouragement and the reality of a victim mentality. And I'm like, dear God, help us, right? I'm reading that and think, Jesus, I need to repent, right? This is not like, these are everyday temptations, aren't they? What are we saying this morning? This is what I'm saying. We need encouragement. We need it. Why? Because Jesus is calling you to do something with purpose and passion, significant. Why? Because it's going to take faith to walk with God in a natural world and a spiritual God. You're going to need faith. You're going to need encouragement because there's going to be highs and there's going to be lows. There's going to be expectations that are met and then there's going to be expectations that aren't met. And you're going to have to fight to stay in faith or encouraged and we need each other to do that. An atmosphere of encouragement. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. Lord, we, Lord, me the foremost, have a tendency, Lord, to be discouraged and not in faith, Lord. Forgive me. I want to be a man of faith for my wife, for my kids, for my church, for my life group, for my friends, for my coworkers. Lord, I want to be a person of faith who spills out encouragement because we need it. If you're in here this morning and you're saying, Blake, I need a fresh dose of encouragement right now. I just need some encouragement. I just want you to lift your hands. Amen. I just want you to, in a uh, posture of receiving, just receive the encouragement of the Spirit. You have literally encouragement incarnate in the Spirit of God. Let Him speak to you this morning.
You're my son. You're my daughter. I've called you by name before you were formed in your mother's womb. I knew you and set you apart. You're not an accident. You haven't gone too far. I am for you and not against you. I've given you a new name. You're a new creature in Christ. All things have passed away. Behold, new things are coming for you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Never. Never, never, never. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Receive the encouragement of the Spirit this morning. Let's stand to our feet. Some application this morning. If you're at a a distance from your Bible, from the Scriptures, cultivate a new resolution, a new rhythm of getting in the Scriptures. If you're not in a community that's exhorting you and encouraging you and challenging you, man, there are plenty in this church who would love to encourage you in your way to follow Jesus. Because I need it. I've worked it into my schedule to get around people who will encourage me. We need it. Amen? Amen. And then finally, man, let the word, if, if like I'm in my word, like I'm, in encur- I'm encouraged. Pray. You're needed. We need you to open your mouth and encourage those around you. We, I need you. Walk by me and give me a word. Speak the word over each other. We need it. Amen? Amen. Thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you for joining us online. We'll see you next week. Beatty's going to launch our, our uh, The Way of Glory, The Way to Glory, Mark chapter 9 next week. Uh, our, our next series is going to start next week. We're excited about that. Turn around and greet someone. Tell them you're glad they're here. I think they're going to pie some pastors in a little bit, and we're going to prophesy over some of our uh, Disciple Step graduates. <laughs>